Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Okay, thank, thank you, Ewan. Thank you for that. And thank you, Professor Ryan. And thank goodness we sent the children out first. Um, so we are continuing uh, today with our series that Simon has been preaching the last few weeks um, of our toolkit of tools that we need to disciple. Um, and those of you that have listened to the last couple of weeks will know that Simon has laid down the challenge that we should all be discipling others. And um, in so much as we are discipled, we should be discipling others. And I spent yesterday at the kids' weekend, if you're wondering where all the children are, They've invaded Hadley, lucky Hadley. And we spent all day yesterday at the kids' weekend, and the discipling that is going on there is amazing. Um, It's not part of the program that's set, which is also fantastic, but actually you've got Heather, the kids' worker, discipling other kids' workers who are discipling young people who who are working there, who are discipling the children. And in one of the breaks yesterday... I heard a little tiny year three person say to a year six, and they said, I'm not sure I got that bit there. Where, where is that in the Bible? And this year six person, bless her heart, said, I've got a Bible in my cabin. Shall we go and look it up? So we are seeing just from watching that they are learning to disciple each other, and I just think that's totally awesome. So if you're a member here and you don't pray thanks for the kids team, get praying because the kids weekend has been fantastic um so as with everything jesus is our model for discipling and we're looking today at how he maintained a balance in his life um i don't know about you but sometimes it's hard to keep things balanced sometimes we're juggling so many plates and it's only when we drop and chip one that we think oh yeah forgotten about that one so jesus gives us a model to prevent us from doing that, to help us keep things in perfect balance. Um, and we can, looking at the passage that Ewan read, we can see how he does that. We can see that he spends the night in prayer with God. So he spends a lot of time with God. And we can see the time that he spends with his inner circle, with his community of friends. And we can see the time when he's ministering um, in a missional context. So, as with everything Jesus does, this is the model, and we should try and imitate that. Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Uh, So we use, or I find it useful, to use a triangle to demonstrate how we can do that. Um, And arguably, there were times when Jesus spent time, more time on one of those, but he always worked hard to get that back into equilibrium. Um, And that's what we should do. Um, So when we look at the up part of the triangle, that is time spent with God in worship and in prayer and time in church counts towards that. It does, but it shouldn't be exclusively that. It's time reading the word, worshipping, praying, listening to God. You can do that in groups. You can do that alone. Uh, Ideally, do a mixture of the both. Um, 
you saw, I think, while we were getting changed, an advert for the Elim prayer night on Friday night. That would be an awesome time to spend time with God in worship and in prayer, if you can make it to that. And we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is passionate spirituality. In Acts, we read that all the believers met together to worship, plus they would worship individually as well. And that's how we keep ourselves on the right track. That's how we keep focused and know that we're doing the right thing. And this is not something that we tick off a list, that we do just so we can tick it off. I love ticking things off lists. That's part of what gives me joy. But this is not one of the things that we tick off. When I first started coming here about five years ago, one of the people that was discipling me noticed that I wasn't very spontaneous and they challenged me to be more spontaneous. So, dutifully, I went home and I put spontaneous act on my list of jobs every day. And oh, the relief when you've done the spontaneous act and you can tick it off and phew. Um, but I've come a long way in that. I don't put that on there. I no longer laminate my daily list. So the progress has been made. This is not something that we do to tick off. This is a constant thing, as Callum said in his testimony. It's brilliant to have set times to be with God, but it's also brilliant to chat with him in your break. This is a constant uh, relationship with God. So I've been reading um, recently a book called Dirty Glory by Pete Craig, who's the guy who set up the 24-7 prayer movement. And if you only read one book this summer, read this one because it's brilliant and also quite an easy read because it's interesting and it's stories, so it's, it's really good. Um, in that, he talks about a guy called Brian. And he says to Brian, they meet for dinner, and he says to Brian, I'm looking for somebody to set up a missional community in Ibiza, uh, working on the Strip, so all the nightclubs and the pubs and everything, uh, to support the bouncers, the prostitutes, the pimps, the drugs, uh, the drug takers, and the, the drunk people, uh, would you like to do it? And Brian goes, um, well, I have a wife and children, and I have a church. He was the minister of a church. He said, and the congregation quite like me, so, um, and, and Pete Craig at that point, he feels a bit embarrassed and he, get, he starts to sort of backtrack and he goes, well, actually, also, we don't have any money, so you'd have to fundraise if you wanted to go. And, and he starts to try and let him off the hook. He starts to say, I can see, actually, it's, it's not a great proposition that I've put there. Um, do you know anyone else that wants to go? But as he starts to say that, Brian says, actually, though, in my quiet times with God and in my wife's quiet times with God, God has been talking to us about going somewhere different, about going into the sunshine, about moving out of our comfort zone, he said. So I will think and pray about that, and I will talk about, my, about it to my wife, and I will get back to you. And when he said, I will go away and pray about that, he didn't say it the way that we sometimes say it in that kind of, I want to say no, and I don't say no, so I'll tell her I'm going to pray about it but we don't. And he didn't say it like that. He said it genuinely. I will go away and I will pray about it. And he went away and he prayed about it. And because he'd heard from God previously, it didn't come as a massive shock to him. And despite the fact that he'd been at that church for a decade, uh, he did indeed go to Ibiza. And Brian's life before he'd become a minister 
uh, hadn't gone that smoothly. He'd had a really terrible childhood, uh, which had led to him developing a drug habit, which had led to him developing a criminal record. And he'd ended up in prison um, when he was about 19, and he was frightened and he was scared. And he bumped into this massive great man who turned round and said, Brian? (laughs) And he said... Do you remember at school, you used to help me and I used to protect you? And Brian was like, yeah, yeah, I remember. And he said, I'll protect you again, if you like. Um, So this was in prison. And with the help of this man, this great big broken-nosed violent man in prison, he, Brian gave his life to God. Um, But he did go to prison three more times um, during, during that short time when he came to Jesus his, as he corrected his behavior. It did take him three more times where he was being quite closely discipled. On the fourth time, he was discipled by a family who he then went to live with in Norfolk, who supported him through uh, Bible college, um, where he then became a minister. Uh, so the point is, there is no past that gets you out of being a disciple here. If you're listening to God, there is nothing that gets you off the hook. Because if you have a past of prison, then God will use that so you can disciple somebody helpfully. If you're newly Christian, then God will use that so that you can disciple someone. And this past led Brian to be the perfect man to work in Ibiza. Um, and he spent a great deal of time with God, and that's how he knew that this was the perfect move for him. So we need to spend quite a lot of our time with God in the up part of the triangle, in order to know that we're doing the right thing, that we're putting our energies into the right place. Then the next one is in. Uh, This is our communities, our deeper communities, our discipling relationships. In Acts, again, we see people living life together to levels that we would call extreme today. Um, And that's what we're trying to imitate in our youth group uh, by having our houses and our lives open to the teenagers Uh, which many people would call extreme. But things are only extreme when you first start doing it, and soon they become something that you genuinely love doing. So sometimes the youth will just call round or pop in for a chat. If Mark's there, that's fine, they can come in. If I'm on my own, we go around and get a coffee and have a chat. If If it's not convenient, I send them away, but not without making an appointment to see them later on in the week. And on top of that, we have our house open on Sunday nights, and then we have Thursday emerge and Sunday mornings. And as a team, we meet up and pray and eat together really regularly. And I know that that sounds like hard work, sort of, but community is being built, and it's not hard work. Once you've got that community, once you're all friends, on Thursday night, we went crabbing, you know? I went crabbing with 20-odd close friends, (laughs) and I called it work. Um, but we had some of the deepest conversations over those crabs. So mostly, it's, it's a great time. And because we've built the community and because we're working together, when it's not great, when it's heartbreaking, there's people to support us. Uh, so community building is a two-way investment. It's feeding and supporting each other. And I'm sure many of you have got great examples of spending time building each other up in community. But if you don't, um, find a community and get stuck in. We're called to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, So we're called to give out in this way. And there are many communities here at Burlington. Um, So find a community, or if you don't like any of them, start a community and get stuck into that way of life. That's how God calls us to do. 
So Brian, in Ibiza, he was called to plant a missional community over there, working in the Strip. And he built a great team of volunteers who lived and prayed and worked and worshipped and parented together all the time. And Brian knew how to disciple people, and he knew how to be discipled. Um, And together with the team, they became a strong community in no time at all, Um, which was great because when you consider what their outreach was, the out part of their triangle, they needed to be strong with God, and they needed to be strong as a community in order to do what they did, which was basically live in the evenings along the strip um, of nightclubs and working with the prostitutes and the bouncers and then all the drunk people that came out of the clubs. And they brought a van, and they called it the vomit van, and they would pick people up and they would give them water and Freddo frogs and um, various other things to help sober them up, and then they would take them home. And they saved people physically um, as well as spiritually. And a lot of what they did was conversations with the bouncers and the prostitutes that were there regularly. And it built quickly to be something that the bouncers would really engage in. So they would phone up the people driving the vomit van and say, I've got a lad here that I've got to kick out. I've got a bottle of water that you gave me earlier. I'll give him that. Can you come and pick him up? And that would, that would protect the people and help them. And the bouncers quickly became part of the community and started to worship and gave their, gave their life to God through that. So the out part is go and make disciples of all people groups. Now, I don't think we have to go and make disciples of all of them on our own. Uh, so pick one. Pick one that you're passionate about and commit to it. And if you think God is prompting you to choose the youth, then don't leave this building without talking to me because there's definitely space for you in our community. Um, But there are many other missional opportunities here. There's sewing, there's children, there's the feet for the street that you passed on the way in, there's music, there's make lunch, which again I think we showed the video of earlier, and there's many more. So find a missional community that interests you and get involved in it and start discipling. But this missional outreach, this is when you spend your time and energy in acts of love and service with missional zeal. I love that word, zeal. You can't do that half-heartedly, missional zeal. Um, It's you giving out, and it's why you're up and you're in have to be strong, so that you've got enough to give out without burning out. Um, So, um, sorry, lost... In Acts, we see missional zeal. We see quite a few examples of missional zeal in Acts. In Jerusalem, the church saw people adding to their numbers daily uh, because of the way they were living their life. In Ephesus, they had so many people with missional zeal that they were sending out their own church planters just here, there, and everywhere. There were so many people on fire for God. Um, Brian and his team started the vomit van, and that grew quickly into a really fantastic missional outreach. Jesus commands us to engage with the needs of our broken world and not just pray for them from afar, but live in the midst of it, as he did. So depending on your personality, I'm thinking that you're probably finding two of these a lot easier than the third one. Uh, So some of you are thinking, missional zeal, yeah! I'm up for that. And some of you are thinking, I don't think I've got missional zeal, but I quite like the idea of supporting and encouraging others within a small community. And if you're thinking, well, I used to be really good at all those things, but I'm really tired now. 
um, then chances are you've neglected spending time with God, you've neglected the up part of the triangle. And if you spend some time with the Father and ask him to redirect you, um, that would be the, the best way to correct that and get your energy and your zest back. Because we do need all three, although our, our personalities will guide us to two that we're maybe better at, we do need to have all three. It does need to be a fairly equal triangle. Because Jerusalem in Acts were really good at doing up and in. They were great at worshipping and living life together, but the missional part didn't come that naturally to them. So reaching out to the Gentiles took serious pressure for them to do. Um, They became very insular, very focused on their own community and their own group. And that meant that when they were persecuted and scattered, they were scared to death. Um, So they were, because they were over-focused on their up and their in. And if you just focus on your up and your out, but you neglect the in, then you're effectively working alone without a community to back you up and support you and sustain you. And we need that. You need support when you're giving out all the time. Otherwise, you burn out and you can no longer work. So we need to have equal measures of up, in, and out. And Ephesians, in Ephesians, led by Paul, we can see up, in, and out working equally and really well. And he managed to build a red-hot church as the center of the triangle with minimum resources. And then he maintained that for hundreds of years. So this red-hot center was caused by a movement of people. He did it by discipling some who discipled others who discipled others, and they got the movement going. And we're starting with way more than Jesus or Paul. We already have 200 people sitting here. So if we could all be discipling someone as well as being discipled, then we could really be moving. So if you suspect that someone's discipling you but that you're not sure, ask them. Ask them if they are. And if you suspect that you would like to disciple someone but you're not sure if they'd like that, ask them. Pinpoint today who it is that you're discipling before you leave so that we can be really intentional about that, um, so that we can really get this movement going. Because if we get all three equally, we will fly. We will be on fire for God. We will have that red-hot center in the middle of our triangle. And I know sometimes if you're here in the winter and you sit under those heaters, it does feel like a red-hot center. But that's not what I mean. I mean the passion for God. And if in Acts, we see that they're committed to that at every level of life. And when the Holy Spirit breathed life into it, they became a burning fire providing all the energy and the zest that was needed. So when we're discipling someone, we have to be sure that we're discipling them in all three areas, not just the two that we're good at, um, but in all three. And that's a challenge both for us as disciplers and disciplees, to make sure that we get all three of those equally. And that's my prayer for us as a church Um, And that's my prayer for us as a youth group. And that's my prayer for Callum and Jacob and Kirsty, that they can get all three of those equally so that they can have that red-hot fire in the centre. Because we need more fire. The Holy Spirit provides the fire, but we need to do our share. If we keep focused on up, in, and out, in order to keep ourselves focused and well-balanced and well-provided with zeal as we live our lives for God.